Have you got any tips around the tools of connectedness? How do you connect with people's hearts? How do you get them to open up so easily? I think it's a mindset. A great friend of mine who was our Polynesian coordinator at St Francis, at the Polynesians have this beautiful expression, Tala Noah. Tala is storytelling and Noah is without concealment. And it's all about engaging with another person without a hidden agenda. Do you look to praise a lot? Do you like praising? Do you, you're looking for the good, you see the good, you speak the good. Is that something that defines you? What's that great line? You attract more flies with honey than vinegar. It's a great way to engage with a person. If you don't go to work, it's not. it wasn't a work. It was, I felt like I, had, I was being paid to have a lifestyle. Wow. Hey, you've just joined A Journey with Bernie. Greetings, wonderful and beautiful people. Thank you ever so much for joining me and this week's episode of A Journey with Bernie. Yes, my name is Bernie Kelly, and it's such a joy to be your show host and to create these weekly opportunities for both you and I to discover actions and strategies, concepts and paradigms, processes and routines that our podcast guests suggest might just help us to find greater love for ourselves, some sustainable inner happiness, and more meaning in our humble lives. And that, my dear people, that's what this podcast is all about. I've been on the journey of discovering joy from first breath, just didn't realize it. Thank you, mum and dad. But gee, my professional coaching life of the last 30 years with corporate clients and students across the globe certainly helped me to see more, to do more, and most importantly, to understand how to be more. I'm a consumer of life, a lover of nature. I know its power. I do want to take you to the summit of a Kilimanjaro, the base of Mount Everest, the intrigue of Machu Picchu or that epic spiritual adventure across northern Spain, the Camino. You will be invited. Of course, like you, I'm searching for answers too. And this is why each week we explore the thoughts of our wonderful podcast guests. Some of them carry a high profile on both the domestic and international stage, while others... They're just humble people like you and I. But one thing is certain, no matter who they are, they will open our eyes to new possibilities. Hey, we're all on this journey called life, aren't we? Let's embrace it. And today, do so by putting on your curiosity hat, put on your jacket of learning, and let's explore life's possibilities together on this episode of A Journey with Bernie. Well, dear people, I'm so grateful for you joining me in one of these first five podcasts. Welcome to A Journey with Bernie. And uh, it's a great delight to introduce you to my guest today. John Slattery is not a name that uh, you're going to read on the front page of the newspaper. He's probably not a name that you've heard of. There was a rugby player once, but that's not this John Slattery. To me, he's Slats. He's a very, very special person because I don't know of too many people with the gift of joy and laughter and love as this man. I regard him as one of the great servants of uh, humankind. We first met many, many, many years ago and... uh, In our meeting, Slats and I drew a terrific friendship that resulted in us starting the Australian Youth Development Program that eventually became 
a youth organisation that is still operating today called YLEAD. And unashamedly, I announce that the legacy of that organisation is greatly due to this man. Um, His working career, he actually started in the finance and banking industry and thank heavens that he actually found coaching and training, development and human relations because believe me, folks, this is his, uh, his calling. We had seven great years together with AYDP, the Australian Youth Development Program, before he decided to uh, just harness his coaching skills specifically to a wonderful region in Brisbane, St Francis College, Cressmead, where he became the campus minister. Age finally caught up with him. He's approaching 70 and now delightfully is the transport driver for Centre Care in Bow Desert, where he takes the senior residents to their medical appointments and, and their, their shopping needs, etc., etc. Slats, seriously great to have you on board. How are you, you old fart? Bernie, that was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard, and especially being Valentine's Day. Am I now <laughs> supposed to say I do? <laughs> Slats, you and I go back a long, long way, mate, and I hope you don't mind me me bringing up a couple of images. One of them is, and for those that know us very, very well, they will laugh at me bringing this up. I've climbed Kilimanjaro 15 times. You've climbed it once. But I have a feeling that your memory of Kilimanjaro is far more memorable than mine. Oh, mate, absolutely. Uh, it was one of those wonderful experiences where I was conned into believing this was going to be the greatest thing of my life, one of the top five moments of my life. And as always, I believe Bernie's wisdom and insight. And uh, I was privileged to lead a group of, a mixed age group of students and some corporate people to go and take on Kilimanjaro, amongst other things, in that beautiful part of Tanzania. And um, my greatest memory is that pre-midnight final climb, trying to get the ascent, trying not to freeze to death, being warned that cameras would die, do not sort of urinate anywhere near because you're going to put yourself at risk, and trying to get to the top in pitch black, all we've got is our little head banner light with the excitement of looking at the heels of the person in front of you, blindly going somewhere hoping someone has found the top, And the words in the back of my head were Bernie thinking, this is one of the greatest things in his life. And I distinctly remember thinking to myself, Bernie, you've got to get a life. (laughs) Upon which I reverted back to saying the rosary as I continued to climb ever so slowly to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. But you walked that mountain with a terrific bunch of young people and, as you alluded to before, some, some corporates. What was your memory of that whole experience, not only of the mountain but sharing the journey with these, these wonderful people? I think that the magic and the excitement just permeates from the moment you leave Brisbane. And yeah, so these kids and the other corporate people are all excited about taking on something new and it's hard not to be impacted by that atmosphere of excitement and anticipation and so forth, to say nothing of the, the joy of travelling and flying international airlines and landing in another country and making the, all the treks across. But it was in those times when you're sitting in the bus or sitting in the plane or walking slowly around the base of, of the, the Kilimanjaro National Park and then walking with them as you're going up the parts of the mountain and the... And hearing their stories. So during the the easy climb parts, everyone's laughing and chatting and just making friendships. Uh, You you start clicking with different people. You find out more about their story. And then ultimately as well, uh, as you're getting closer to the top, the reality that some people are struggling and sharing their concerns and the bond that connects. The mountain was just the base of the journey that, that... for me, the real journey was that walking with those people and um, just becoming part of their support network yeah. and being privileged to hear their stories because prior to leaving Brisbane, I hardly knew any of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, I suppose, as you said, I, I like people and uh, that's, that's always my greatest challenge, wanting to find out about who I'm journeying with. 
I, I find that really, really interesting because there would be many people that would take on a Kilimanjaro or an Everest Space Camp or a Machu Picchu and they're totally dedicated to the destination, the journey, the, the, the climb, the adventure. Yeah, but you're saying here that one of the great joys that you got out of such an experience was actually journeying with people, being part of their story. Can you elaborate on how that adds so much value to you? It becomes absolutely memorable and it's not just from an event or a photo album of these moments but you can flash back and have memories of the people you've met and the sharing of their stories, uh, the joy of belonging and sharing that experience. Like on that first trip we had uh, two young kids celebrate their 18th birthday. Now to be a guest at their 18th birthday party would have been fabulous but here we were on the the shores of a resort called I think the Tony Marina Resort somewhere it was and the hotel had set up the table and the chairs on the sand with the flares and I'm thinking, what an experience for those kids to say, this is how I turned 18, not having some sort of drunken party in my parents' backyard, but here I am, you know, in this exotic location surrounded by people that I've met and engaged with. And um, for me to be part of that was a great privilege sure. because their story, I'm getting a big smile on my face, I'm just getting more and more memories from that incredible evening. Yeah. And then as a result of that, and then watching that sat one of those kids do his dive, bungee dive off the, the bridge at the Victoria Falls area. You know, he'd be, and I've, I was this super anxious parent watching this, filming this kid. He said, can you do this? He was from, he was from Gladstone. He was the first person he, he was aware of in Gladstone that had ever been to this thing and he was just going to do it. Yeah, you know, Kilimanjaro yeah. and jumping off this thing. Yeah. Well, I was like a, yeah. an anxious parent watching this, <laughs> the tail ends of his shoes vanishing into the distance and I thought, what the hell has happened, yeah. you know? But how quickly people become people. A person can become a group of people when they're open to each other and the magic that each person can bring to the group. Yeah, yeah. What I'm actually sensing is the great joy that you actually extract by going out of your way to connect with people. It's it's almost as if you've realised that in order to fulfil part of your life, you must do that with and through people. Reflecting on it, that's probably a great way to express it. It just happens spontaneously for me. If I'm around a person, I just want to connect with them. It's uh, because everyone's got a story of some kind and... uh, and from my time working with the young people and my time at school, uh, especially those miscreants who are in the, the trouble kids line waiting to see the deputy <laughs> and so forth, you help oh, mate, why are you here? Oh, slats. And they tell you what's going on. And you go, well, how did that happen? What triggered that? You know, and because I was a non-threatening face, yeah, I know the deputy used to always refer to ourselves as the good cop, bad cop duo. You go out there and be the good cop and we'll get to the bottom of what's really happening yeah. and then I'll do what I have to do. But you could just, when they felt that they could engage with a person who valued them in some way, mm. who wasn't out there to rant and hit them or throw the riot act at them, uh, they were able to talk and share. And uh, I think... I get a a great buzz out of being on that wavelength. It's not like you're trying to manipulate them or or think that you want, uh, you know, I need validation. The validation happens afterwards. You, you feel so good about having had a connecting encounter with another human being and whether it be young kids there or the trip at Kilimanjaro or now with the, the senior sits uh, in the cars going to medical appointments, People value being able to share their story and being appreciated, and um, and I really appreciate the way they they value um, someone listening to them. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. for the sake of just asking the classics: who, how, what, yeah. when, where, why, and an hour and a half journey from Bow Desert to the Royal Brisbane can just vanish. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Slats, um, 
your joy comes from this. And you've mentioned the word a number of times, connectedness. You've used that word three or four times in our in our dialogue here. How do you connect? Like, I know this is specific to slats, but you have some innate gifts that you use that allow you to connect more easily to people than others. And I can say that. I've watched you for, for decades. Have you got any tips around the tools of connectedness? How do you connect with people's hearts? How do you get them to open up so easily? I think it's a mindset. A great friend of mine who was our Polynesian coordinator at St Francis, at the Polynesians have this beautiful expression, Tala Noah. Tala is storytelling and Noah is without concealment. And it's all about engaging with another person without a hidden agenda. Most meetings or guidelines have an agenda to get a group of people from A to B. But if you go there without uh, an I want an outcome basis and you're just ready to connect with another human being, say, I wonder what that person's story is. And just by looking at them, I'm a great watcher of people. If if my wife's in the shops... (laughs) Trying on some blouse or something. I'm outside in the in the in the corridor. I'm just looking at the world going past, and you, you just see people. And if someone ends up sitting beside me, I'll end up saying, "Oh, good day, mate." Yeah. Oh, you know. And, and in Logan City, there's a squillion cultures. One of the greatest things is simply, "Oh, mate, I'm fascinated. What's your cultural background?" Mm, yeah. You know. I, yeah. I don't ask what nationality is because they could have moved anywhere. But as soon as you start showing interest like a positive curiosity in someone, they naturally respond and start talking. And then you're finding a whole lot of common ground. And um, I think that's a, that to me is the great part. I, I really value talking with another person. And it's just knowing that you can talk to a total stranger yeah. and give them the opportunity. I love to say, mate, you're one of the most fabulous young men I've met. Thank you. Thank you for sharing the time with me. You know, and, and it's sort of reminding them because the world doesn't tell a person, oh, Bernie, I think you're absolutely amazing. Like a, to- a total stranger might come up and just say that, you know, or even growing up, how many times would your parents have stopped and told you, oh, you're amazing because there was normally a whole lot of things that you still hadn't done. Yeah. yeah, your room was a mess, you hadn't picked up the towels, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's always things that, that agenda that get in the way, but that discovering of the true beauty of the, of the human nature of that person do you look to praise a lot? Do you like praising? Do you, you're looking for the good, you see the good, you speak the good? Is that something that defines you? What's that great line? You attract more flies with honey than vinegar. It's a great way to engage with a person. Yeah. Uh, oh, what, one incredible memory, there was a, a group of kids at the college and uh, they, were no, they were normally always in trouble with the deputy and stuff. But they always excelled at um, the manual arts and the landscaping courses and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, and this particular day I went up to just check out what they were doing and there's one kid shovel surfing. Now, who would have thought? But he's standing in the, in the metal part of the shovel and making the huge handle spin around 360. Now, the normal teacher reaction would have been, you there, stop that, get to the office. And I just stood there and I said... That is amazing. I couldn't do that to save myself. Oh, slats, it's easy, blah, 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 you know. And I suppose if you see or acknowledge a uniqueness, a talent, a gift, a skill, anything, if you're always on the lookout for something that you can say, wow, it's easier to get a a good connect if you've got something to start with like a positive or a curiosity. Because, as I said, I couldn't have done that to save myself. But it just creates links with people and um, as I, said, I just love connecting with people. Yeah. Of, and you do it of so all, superbly. Of all age yeah. groups yeah. but uh, I was privileged with the AYDP youth group and at the college, you know, that because the college was a P to 12 so I had, yeah, kids from prep right through to, you know, almost 20-year-old Tongans who didn't have a clue how old they were really being in, in grade 12 and there's this great diversity and... Um, a, a wonderful, joyful experience. 
I think I think this next question is difficult for you. Oh, here we go. <laughs> because your mindset is so out there with other people that for me now to ask you something about you, I think you find difficult. Here we go. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is the benefit to you as a human being and your life for you to be this way, to see the good, speak the good, look for the positive, deliver the positives, want to listen to other people, want to belong with them, want to share in their journey. What's in it for slats? I just feel wonderful when I'm in that mode. It's a crazy thing. The the most selfish thing you can do for yourself is to give of yourself to other people because I feel so good as a result of that connection. But it's not built for an... It's not I needed to get that fix of a connection just so I can now face the reality. I just feel so at one with the world, I suppose. My job at the... uh, Between the AYDP and the school, it's that great line if you... If you don't go to work, it's not. It wasn't a work. It was. I felt like I had. I was being paid to have a lifestyle. Wow! I was being paid just because I was. They wanted me to be me, and engage, and um, it was just so gratifying because I felt I could be at my best or give of my best to as many people as possible as I encountered them, whether it was little kids and disengaged kids at all the social events where we had to meet the parents and grandparents and, you know, the, the brekkie clubs in the morning running around handing out toast and cereal and stuff in the car park and, you know, it was just a way of, yeah. you know, you couldn't stop me. I know you, so I can imagine it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, two things you just said there which I think are real gold. One, you actually said that it was almost selfish because there was so much joy in it for you to actually belong to these people and to relate to them. I've never heard such gift and giving (laughs) to other people referred to as selfish. But you're saying almost if you want to live life to the fullest, then it was almost selfish of you to want to go out and give so much to other people. Yeah, it's a crazy bit of a paradox, but, um, you know, you alluded a bit earlier when I said the rosary will get back to your religious thing. <laughs> yeah, I am a, I'm a, a very proud victim of a of a good Catholic upbringing. You know, the, the nuns, good the, the good Samaritan nuns for my primary school, uh, which I stayed with them till I was grade seven, and then I moved across to the brothers at Marsh Brothers at Ashgrove, and I've been engaged with our my own parish there at, at Dorrington when I lived in Brisbane you know, for so many years as youth group leader and ultimately I was the chairman of the parish council. Yeah. I was The whole thing was a life because one yeah. of the great lines, are, you know, is I will be your God and you will be my people. Mm-hmm. You know, he never said you will be my person. Mm-hmm. And for me that was the, you know, go out there and, you know, spread the good news to everybody. Yeah. And the good news isn't necessarily preaching the whole religious doctrine thing or the Christian theory, but the life's, what life in the spirit is all about, I keep coming back to that time and time again. And that's, uh, to me, that gives me, it means I'm alive in myself. I think that's an important thing. Our listeners here, many will appreciate that you're referring to your journey and the value that you have extracted from your religious faith. And I know you well enough too to know that you even appreciate or you understand the more modern world. And I may be wrong here and I'm happy to announce that I'm wrong, but it appears to me that there is a dilution of religious connect I'm not 100% sure there is a dilution of spiritual connect. Could you please comment on what people can access today that could give them the same value that you have received from your wonderful religious faith over all the years of your life? I think the world is definitely more critical in observing what goes on. And I used to hear it a lot from kids and so forth, oh, the hypocrites go to church, blah, blah, blah. And I understand that because I think historically 
the actual essence of the faith and the life in the spirit was always an assumed and quite often uh, religious protocols and ceremonies, all of which were beautiful and had special meaning and really inflamed the hearts of those with the, that strong spiritual connect, if that strong essence wasn't there to start with, the going to church on Sunday didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. And especially like through my experience with the, with the AODP and in particular that you had that beautiful session called The Real Me where you got people yeah. to really start opening up. Yeah. And I think that's where it really hit that in that engaging with another as a real person, as a person of real spirit who just happened to be religious, Christian, Catholic, the essence of all the gifts that Holy Mother of the Church has taught us are the realities, but even if you weren't religious, knowing that you are gifted with knowledge and understanding and wisdom and discernment and and courage Mm -hmm. and awe and wonder and respect, they're things which are universal. They don't need a brand. If you engage with with a person and help them appreciate all those gifts that they already have, and the the modern world's all pushing these days, oh, it's all about gratitude and all this and so forth, well, you've got to be grateful because you've been gifted with something, but let's really figure out what we've been gifted with. And, you know... The, the more I reflect on this from all angles, the more I see the incredible ancient wisdoms always standing true. Because yeah. if you've got all those, if you're aware of those gifts that have been given to you and you have those and you're making the most of them, you naturally radiate and bear fruit. You've attached yourself to these gifts, these awarenesses through your religious faith. If I speak to many people these days, a phrase that that I hear regularly is, um, oh, I'm letting the universe look after me. Um, I spoke to another person the other day and they didn't even refer to it as the universe. They just called it the spirit of love. It was almost as if they'd given love another definition beyond an emotional experience. It was a spirit. Did a transcendental meditation course recently and they referred to something called the unified field. (laughs) And and so I've got all of these names for this different uh, source or different place where you extract or become aware of the gifts. Um, Do you feel that people these days can still access this awareness that they have the gift of perspective, a gift of uh, unbound love, gift of joy, all those things that you alluded to before, can we still access those days without the religious connection? Well, I'd have to say, broadly speaking, yes, from what I can recall growing up. I mean, if you didn't have, if you had all the right attributes but you didn't believe in God or religion, you were basically a humanist. Well, a humanist is a wonderful state of being anyway, but I find that if you've got a deeper belief in something beyond, you know, if it's easy for people to believe in cosmic power or it's easy to believe in Star Wars and the Force, I'm old school, just look at the way I handle a modern phone, you know, I'm happy to call it God. (laughs) And... um, it just gives you a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose, a yeah. sense of it's a focus. Yeah. People have made a fortune selling stories about having moral compasses or corporate compasses or God knows what. But God knows what. It's exactly everything that's been free for thousands of years yeah. that people are trying to make money out of. But I actually embrace it. Yeah. And it it it, it may not work for everybody, but it fuels me. Yeah. You know? But in a way, you are saying it actually really doesn't matter what you call it. You're happy to call it God. Other people out there may have different names or different paradigms of what it all looks like. Yeah, well, I'm very accepting of other people who are, try- who are journeying towards their state of well-being themselves and I can see enormous parallels. I mean, heavens, we had 52 different cultures at St Francis you just can't say, this is it, this is the way we do it, everybody else is wrong. I mean, I had to conduct a funeral memorial service for one of our young students who'd had a, um, who'd passed away from an, an asthma attack during a school holidays. And this was a Buddhist family. Well, I had to 
very quickly discover what was appropriate um, for the way that those parents would feel comfortable because yeah. uh, the kids wanted to honour this beautiful young man that was at our school and, you know, engaging with the parent, the, the shared reality of humanity, the grief, uh, the, the, the sense of loss. I mean, you know, all I could do was when I first went in to meet the father, mm. we just hugged him. We both sat in the corner and cried. Yeah. You know, this was no time for a religious sermon or anything. You know, just that, that there was that shared reality of, of love for this kid, of what, he, of what he meant to so many of the students, and then to honour and respect mm. the parents in the way that helped them as yeah. well. Yeah. So I think uh, the multicultural universe is really... Uh, mm. Uh, helped me more, you can see so much more and equally hone in on what are the almost the, the absolute truths which link everybody, yeah. you know. So, again, cosmic universe or whatever, as I said, you know, the good Sam Nuns did a good job on me. Yeah, I, call it, <laughs> I call it God. <laughs> and you can't get away, get away uh, with anything, you get the Catholic guilt. Uh, <laughs> Hey, Slats, move on to your, your current role. I, I can only imagine you with all these beautiful people, 70-plus, 80-plus, they're um, going to their medical appointments, they're nearer the the end of their lives than the start of their lives. You spend so much time with all those young people. Now you're spending time with, with people at the, the other age dimension. What do you learn from them, although that's a funny question because at 70 years of age, mate, you're almost one of them. Well, that's right. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, uh, the universe gives you a reality check. I, see, I still shave every day, but I can't do it without looking in a mirror. <laughs> and I think, my God, who is that in front of me? You know? <laughs> and when you spent the bulk of your life looking at and around young people, yeah. you forget that you're getting old. Because when we had Happy New Year greetings at the start of this year, my wife said, Happy New Year. You're going to be 70 this year. And then that beautiful line, how the hell did we get this old? <laughs> and um, and it's funny, I don't feel old until you've got to do some exercise. But it's the reality, I, I suppose I'm young at heart and I've really gained so much energy from all those years of working with young people. Yeah. But the best part is it's not limited that the spirit that lives in everybody, it doesn't go away basically. I've been so impressed by, you know, I'm taking old people to hospitals for double checks on cancer or this or that and yet they're, I've hardly encountered a whinger. You know, they're happy to get in the car. They love telling their stories, giving me an update of this, oh, this is my fortnightly or monthly check or whatever, or, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, and... Um, it just gives you that wonderful reality that that there's a joy in life a, at every level and people still need to feel like they are part of a bigger picture and are valued and appreciated. One, one great old guy, he was rattling off a litany of all these dramas that are going on in his life and he said, yeah, John, he said, Getting old isn't for the faint-hearted. You've got to be tough. <laughs> you know, but the way he said it, yeah. and he had every reason in the world to whinge and mope and lament, you know, oh, my yeah. God, someone's taken away my smartphone or they've cancelled my Netflix subscription yeah. I've been a naughty person. You know, nothing. You know, he was all these things that he could have complained about, but he was just so happy sharing his stories and as we're driving along, oh, when I was a kid I used to... Do a, the hay run on the back of a truck. The main road used to go up there and they used to struggle like hell getting up that hill and they're telling you all these bits and pieces yeah. and they've got the history yeah. of the local community yeah. and they're so willing to share that, yeah. you know, and uh, and be themselves. Yeah. You know, they, uh, yeah, there's some classics. A lovely lady got in the car, absolutely Sunday, best, prim and proper. And we were having a nice chat and progressively as we got closer and closer to the medical appointment, the reality of her loathing of the doctors came out and we went from going dressed in our Sunday best to <laughs> F-bombs as I ready to <laughs> get out of the car. Yeah, but, I mean, they just felt, again, so comfortable just yeah. being yeah. what they are, yeah. uh, where they're at in their state of life yeah. and sharing that. 
Yeah, they think, especially if you're not entitled to share what's really on your mind by the time you're 80, well, the world hasn't treated you too well. You mentioned something early on I thought was really interesting. You said as you got older, the only thing that doesn't sort of like come with you is your body. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah exercise here. The but parts you are then, all still here. But, <laughs> but you did say that you still feel the spirit hasn't changed or the spirit um, is still fully alive oh, yeah. here. Isn't that interesting? Body dilutes. Yeah. Mind, I think, obviously dilutes. So who are you again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> With the mind, perhaps emotions probably, I would imagine actually, I'd love, love a comment on this, emotionally I would think that a lot of them are more in control, don't get emotionally distracted as much. But the one thing that doesn't appear to change or it actually grows is the spirit. Well, if that flame's there, it just keeps burning. It's like the eternal flame. Yeah, I, I, I always, rem- yeah, from the early days in the eighties and the classic, the first thing you learned about, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and so forth, and that top layer, self actualization. I often thought you can't really get there unless there's some core value, fire, passion, burning that links all the way through the different stages. Yes, you got to go through it, but I think all these seventy, eighty, ninety year old people. They're at this, they've probably never used the expression self-actualization. Well, yeah. this is who I am. This is what yeah. I've learned from life. This is what I'm comfortable sharing because I'm not worrying about, you know, I'm not trying to look cool when I was in my teens or my 20s or yeah. whatever. Am I really hot and looking wonderful in a selfie and, you know, all that sort of stuff. They're just happy to say, well, this is my life. This is what, what I've shared, you know, uh, what I've learned from dealing with other people, my experiences. Yeah. And... Um, they're comfortable being themselves, honest. Yeah. Totally themselves. You, you, you can't really still be pretending when you're 90. No. <laughs> no. But it's almost as if, Slats, the spirit of the person defines that realness and that authenticity of them. It evolves and grows as we get older and they become the fullness of that spirit. The body decays. (laughs) The mind is getting lost a little bit. Emotions are sort of like more under control because we just don't get upset about things that we used to. Is there a message there for us in life that maybe we should be trying to tap into the spiritual gifts a little earlier in life because that's where we're going to end up and feel some form of fullness? Can we bring it in earlier in our lives? Well, two things. For, uh, I don't want to pretend that everything's perfect. There's still frustrations, but they're beautiful honesty in sharing their frustration yeah. as to what's happening. Yeah. You know, from a, a very obvious one that really hurts them when they've had to, under medical advice, give over their driver's licence. Now, that's a classic uh, instant frustration and that sense of being powerless and losing independence, which they've proudly built their life on up yeah. until that. And then allowing themselves to have other people support them. Uh, And I keep saying, look, you're entitled to us looking after you now. It's not like you're acknowledging that you can't do something. You've led a wonderful life. Let us acknowledge that and support you in different things. Yes, let, let me do this. Let me carry that, whatever. But I think one of the classic is so long as there's somebody else there to trigger that, because it's that that isolation and loneliness which will always challenge uh, that flaming of the spirit. It's like uh, when you're with like-minded people or in a, or a community of shared values or visions or something, the fan, yeah, the, the winds fan the flame and it burns brightly. But otherwise you're like a, a gas-hot water system and the pilot light is just sort of there waiting for something to happen. And it, but it's that triggering with engagement, that continuous need to be part of a bigger picture. And for many, it's their kids and grandkids and great-grandkids, those storylines keep going. But if they haven't got that, they still need other avenues where people are connecting and engaging with them because those weekly visits from centre care, whoever it is doing the cleaning or or personal care, they become part of their family because they're just comfortable sharing their story. And, and I think that the spirit relies on it being widespread because if someone with the right 
attitude and spirit is there engaging with them, it becomes, again, a, a wonderful source of energy or, or at least peace and belonging. Yeah, there's, there's no magic panacea to the whole thing, but um, I personally believe that if, if you are able to respond to the, well, we were taught with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, you can bear the fruits. And, yeah, if, if someone ever said to me that you are a person of love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, gentleness, generosity, faithfulness and self-control, that's not a bad compliment. <laughs> you know, beat the hell out. God, you yeah. look hot in that selfie. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh. And uh, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be remembered as a person who radiated those attributes or, or, or levels of engagement. Yeah, there are damn sight worse things you could do. Um, but that's the one thing after all my years in the campus ministry, yeah, I, I didn't have to try to worry about doctrine or this or that. It was just that, trying to connect as a spirit to another spirit, to acknowledge them that they're a, a person of value, whether you're being young or whether you're old, and it's just that sense of belonging and being people together that's magical. Slats, um, we're going to wind up now. There's a lot of people here that would be listening to this would not recognise what I've witnessed on the other side of this table here. Those essential qualities that you mentioned before where you said if you end up with joy, go through those ones again, please, if you would, please. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, generosity, kindness, faithfulness and self-control. Well, I'd love to let the listeners know that as I sit here, so many of those components are fully alive at this table here. So in, in heading towards a close, um, I'm going to ask you a few questions around those components, but you've got an enormous challenge. Oh, God, here we go. Here it is. <laughs> you may need God for this. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You've got one sentence. Oh. One sentence. I'm a liberal. I can't make a decision <laughs> on one word or you one got sentence. one sentence, yeah. right? And I would prefer, or, we, or or so that our listeners can extract so much value out of it, I'd love it if your sentence was a piece of advice or guidance or an action, something that we can take away and say, if I do this, I might get this. Right? Here we go. You ready? Here we go. What's the benefit of people becoming praise agents, really enjoying seeing the good, speaking the good regularly and often? It helps put people at ease. It reinforces a a sense of value. It's two sentences. Oh, (laughs) Finish it off. It allows people to relax, be and give of themselves and in the process it just continues the spiral of you knowing and being and giving of yourself and the intensity of the connection that's there. You didn't say it had to be a short sentence. <laughs> here's the the second, eyes are saying it all. Here's the, here's the second question. Oh, here we go, yeah. You know, anyone listening to this is hearing a wonderful emphasis on the value of servitude, making a decision to serve other people in a single sentence Why should I give up other focuses that might serve me more in order to become a greater servant of other people? What's the benefit? What's the value? You become closer to being the best version of yourself and you may still end up with those other things incorporated into your life, but I believe 
there's a far more encompassing and widespread balance. What should we learn from the elderly and where we end up in our lives that maybe we could consider focusing and bringing it earlier into our lives because we're going to end up there, (laughs) then why not live it earlier? What can we learn from the elderly that we should contemplate living a little earlier in our lives? Know yourself, truly know yourself, not pretend you've got an awareness of self. Live a life that lets you be yourself and during that and whilst living that, give the best of yourself and the people you meet, the circumstances, the situations, your experiences and your memories will be the best they can possibly be. Religious faith, dilution of it maybe in the modern world, what's a good reason to at least consider faith in a force, a spirit, God, Allah, unified field, something bigger than ourselves. What's the value in still seeking to connect to that dimension? You are not the centre of the universe. I think we belong to it. There's a greater forces, whatever name you want to give it, uh, that bring us all together and the recipe for being the best you can be and the best that the planet can be all relies on a sense of engaging with others, respecting others and lifting everybody together to a higher level of cooperation and um, and experiencing of life. My last question is will, will seem a little off-centre with some of the things we've been speaking about. Uh-huh. I think it's actually um, very relevant and could have great value. If you could wave a magic wand and you could make changes to the education system so that our children were even better prepared for the game of life than 90 years, 70, whatever we're gifted, what changes would you make to the education system that could value our children's future. We had a phrase that we were implementing at St Francis there, personal literacy, a subject which involved just time to understand yourself. And I think the more that we can learn about ourselves, what drives us, our passions, our interests, our hopes, our dreams, and not just in a, oh, we've got a session where we got, oh, where you want to be in five years, draw a timeline. It's all very good. We can tick a box. We can say that and everyone will think vague platitudes and have it look nice on the, on the piece of paper. But my friend from Tonga, he's, you know, it's all about be yourself. You know, respect yourself. The school had values. Respect self, respect others and respect the environment. But he used to argue, who is the self that is to be respected because we assume that everybody knows themselves. And we're talking kids from prep to 17 and the system really doesn't help them fully understand who they are. And that's all to do with the nurturing and, and, and the gifting of values and an appreciation of that and a, and a broader awareness. And... Uh, it's too easy to tick boxes about, yes, we gave you some subject knowledge. Uh, and I think, yes, knowledge is wonderful, but knowledge of that knowledge of self, that understanding of self, what it is that you truly value and that, that gift to discern a path forward that is for the real you and then boldly going forward with that courage because courage is the comes from Latin, cur argere, argere to go, cur from the heart. How can you move from your heart if you haven't taken the time to figure out what's in there? And then boldly sticking to that as you go through life with a sense of awe and wonder, learning about everything that reinforces your choices and your hope for direction. 
Yes, it, it's taught very glibly in, in some subjects because what I basically said there, though, are the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, but not an, it's a, it becomes like a fact that you put on a test but it hasn't been fully absorbed and it's that it's like oxygen. Yes, it's there today, but you want it to be there the day after the day after. You've got to keep referring to it and drawing from it and fanning the fire of your own life and existence, I believe. Well, the good news there, Slats, is that I do know many teachers who would agree with your 103 sentences then in your reply and they would fully... <laughs> yeah, the 101 were bonus ones. Thank you. <laughs> I, I specialise in giving. <laughs> and and fully concur with uh, the sentiments of what you said. Dear listeners, um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of A Journey with Bernie with John Slattery. Um, unashamedly, I can announce to you that there is a fair chance that I may not be here doing such a podcast if it had not been for the experiences that I had with this great man when we've first came together all those years ago to start that wonderful youth organisation called the Australian Youth Development Program, now Y Lead, still functioning and flourishing. Congratulations, guys. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you here, Slats, and to uh, celebrate our journey together in, in this particular way. Bernie, it's been an absolute joy. Thanks for the memories, even Kilimanjaro. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, pal. I do hope you enjoyed today's episode of A Journey with Bernie. I loved it. Of course, the contact and connection details of our special guest and any references to resource material, books or educational sources can be found in the podcast notes. Do go there, folks. Our guests would so welcome hearing from you. Now, for those of you who have previously rung me about joining our forthcoming adventures to Nepal, and those glorious Himalayan trekking trails, it's truly great to have you on board. For those of you that are still interested, may I suggest you visit the website of Global Immersion Travel? That's www.gitravel.com.au. Then ring my equally enthusiastic associate, Taylor Pierce, on 0419-195-953. That's 0419-195-953. Embrace the journey, dear people. Just embrace the journey and enjoy every minute of it. And just remember... Remember.